0: Welcome back, everyone, to 1001 Greatest Love Stories. This is your host, John Hagedorn. Today, chapters 17 and 18, from Marie, by H. Ryder Haggard. Chapter 17, The Marriage I was awakened on my wedding morning by the crash and bellowing of a great thunderstorm. The lightning flashed fearfully all about us, killing two oxen quite near to my wagon, and the thunder rolled and echoed till the very earth seemed to shake. Then came a wail of cold wind, and after that the swish of torrential rain. Although I was well accustomed to such natural manifestations, especially at this season of the year, I confessed that these sights and sounds did not tend to raise my spirits, which were already lower than they should have been on that eventful day. Hans, however, who arrived to help me put on my best clothes for the ceremony, was for once consoling. "'Don't look sick, boss,' he said, "'for if there's a storm in the morning,' There is shine at night. Yes, I answered, speaking more to myself than to him. But what will happen between the storm of the morning and the peace of the night? It was arranged that the commission, which, counting the native after-riders, consisted of over a hundred people, among them several boys, who were little more than children, was to ride at one hour before noon. Nobody could get about to make the necessary preparations until the heavy rain had passed away, which it did a little after eight o'clock. "'Therefore, when I left the wagon to eat, or try to eat some breakfast, "'I found the whole camp in a state of bustle. "'Boers were shouting to their servants. "'Horses were being examined. "'Women were packing the saddlebags of their husbands and fathers with spare clothes. "'The pack beasts were being laden with biltong and other provisions, and so forth. "'In the midst of all this tumult, "'I began to wonder whether my private business would not be forgotten, "'since it seemed unlikely that time could be found for marriages.' However, about ten o'clock, when, having done everything I had to do, I was sitting disconsolately upon my wagon-box, being too shy to mix with that crowd of busy mockers, or to go to Prinsloo's camp to make inquiries, the brow herself appeared. "'Come on, Alan,' she said. "'The commandant is waiting and swearing because you're not there. "'Also there is another waiting, and, oh, she looks lovely. "'When they see her, every man in the camp will want her for himself, "'whether he's got a wife or not.' or in that matter, though you mayn't think so just now, they are all the same as the Kavirs. Oh, I know them. I know them. A white skin makes no difference. While she held forth thus in her usual outspoken fashion, the brow was dragging me along by the hand, just as though I were a naughty little boy. Nor could I get free from that mighty grip, or, when once her great bulk was in motion, match my weight against it. Of course, some of the younger Boers, who, knowing her errand, had followed her, set up a shout of cheers and laughter, which attracted everybody to the procession. "'It is too late to hang back now, Englishman. You must make the best of a bad business. If you wanted to change your mind, you should have done it before.' Men and women roared and screamed with many other such bantering words, till at length I felt myself turn the colour of a red vlei lily. So we came at last to where Marie stood— "'the center of an admiring circle. "'She was clothed in a soft white gown "'made of simple but becoming stuff, "'and she wore upon her dark hair "'a wreath woven by the other maidens in the camp, "'a bevy of whom stood behind her. "'Now we were face to face. "'Our eyes met, and, oh, hers were full of love and trust. "'They dazzled and bewildered me. "'Feeling that I ought to speak, "'and not knowing what to say, "'I merely stammered, "'Good morning.' "'whereupon everyone broke into a roar of laughter, "'except Frau Prinsloo, who exclaimed, "'Did anyone ever see such a fool?' "'And even Marie smiled. "'Then Piet Ratif appeared from somewhere "'dressed in tall boots and rough riding-clothes, "'such as the Boers wore in those days. "'Handing the roar he was carrying to one of his sons, "'after much fumbling, he produced a book from his pocket, "'in which the place was marked with a piece of grass. "'Now then,' He said, Be silent, all, and show respect, for remember I am not a man just now, I am a parson, which is quite a different thing, and being a commandant and a veiled cornet and other officers all rolled into one, by virtue of the law, I am about to marry these young people, so help me God. Don't any of you witnesses ever say afterwards that they are not rightly and soundly married, because I tell you that they are, or will be. He paused for breath, and someone said, "'Hear, hear!' or its Dutch equivalent, "'whereon, having glared the offender into silence, "'Retief proceeded. "'Young man and young woman, what are your names?' "'Don't ask silly questions, Commandant,' "'broke in Rau Prinsloo. "'You know their names well enough.' "'Of course I do, Aunt,' he answered. "'But for this purpose I must pretend not to know them. "'Are you better acquainted with the law than I am?' "'But stay. "'Where is the father, Henri Moray? Someone thrust Marie forward, and there he stood quite silent, staring at us with a queer look upon his face and his gun in his hand, for he, too, was ready to ride. "'Take away that gun,' said Retief. "'It might go off and cause disturbance, or perhaps accidents,' and somebody obeyed. "'Now, Henri Marais, do you give your daughter to be married to this man?' "'No,' said Marais softly. "'Very well. That's just like you.' "'but it doesn't matter, for she is of age and can give herself. "'Is she not of age, Henri-Marie?' "'Don't stand there like a horse with a staggers. "'Tell me, is she not of age?' "'I believe so,' he answered in the same soft voice. "'Then take notice, people all, that this woman is of age "'and gives herself to be married to this man, don't you, my dear?' "'Yes,' answered Marie. "'All right, now for it. "'and opening the book, he held it up to the light "'and began to read, or rather, "'to stumble through the marriage service. "'Presently he stuck fast, "'being, like most boars of his time, "'no great scholar, and exclaimed, "'Here, one of you help me with these hard words. "'As nobody volunteered, "'Ratif handed the book to me, "'for he knew that Marais would not assist him, saying, "'You're a scholar, Alan, "'being a clergyman's son. "'Read on till we come to the important bits, "'and I will say the words after you.' which will do just as well, and be quite according to law. So I read, heaven knows how, for the situation was trying enough, until I came to the crucial questions, when I gave the book back. "'Ah,' said Ratif, "'this is quite easy. Now then, Alan, do you take this woman to be your wife?' "'Answer, putting in your name, which is left blank in the book.' I replied that I did, and the question was repeated to Marie." "'Who did likewise?' "'Well, then, there you are,' said Retief, "'for I won't trouble you with all the prayers "'which I don't feel myself parson enough to say. "'Oh, no, I forgot. "'Have you a ring?' "'He drew one off my finger that had been my mother's. "'I believe it had served the same purpose "'at the wedding of her grandmother, "'and set the thin little hoop of gold "'upon the third finger of Marie's left hand. "'I still wear that ring today. "'It should have been a new one.' muttered brow Prince Lou. "'Be silent, aunt,' said Retief. "'Are there any jeweler's shops here in the veld?' "'A ring is a ring, even if it came off a horse's bit.' "'There, I think that is all. "'No, wait a minute. "'I'm going to say a prayer of my own over you, "'not one out of this book, "'which is so badly printed that I cannot read it. "'Kneel down, both of you. "'The rest may stand, as the grass is so wet.' Now bethinking myself of Marie's new dress. The valet produced her vet dog from a capacious pocket and doubled up that dingy article for Marie to kneel on, which she did. Then Pieter Retief, flinging down the book, clasped his hands and uttered this simple, earnest prayer whereof, strangely enough, every word remains fast in my mind. Coming as it did, not from a printed page, but from his honest and believing heart, it was very impressive and solemn. O God above us, who sees all and is with us when we are born, when we are married, when we die, and if we do our duty for all time afterwards in heaven, hear our prayer. I pray thee bless this man and this woman who appear here before thee to be wed. Make them love each other truly all their lives, be these long or short, be they sick or well, be they happy or in sorrow, be they rich or poor. Give them children to be reared up in thy word. Give them an honest name and the respect of all who know them. And at last give them thy salvation through the blood of Jesus the Savior. If they are together, let them rejoice in each other. If they are apart, let them never forget each other. If one of them dies and the other lives, let that one who lives look forward to the day of reunion and bow the head to thy will. And keep that one who dies in thy holy hand. O thou who knowest all things! Guide the lives of these two according to thy eternal purpose, and teach them to be sure that whatever thou doest is done for the best. For thou art a faithful Creator who wishes good to his children and not evil. And at the last thou wilt give them that good if they do, but trust in thee through daylight and through darkness. Let no man dare to put asunder those whom thou hast joined together. O Lord God Almighty, Father of us all. Amen. So he prayed and all the company echoed that amen from their hearts. That is all except one, for Henri Marais turned his back on us and walked away. So, said Retief, wiping his brow with the sleeve of his coat, you are the last couple that I ever mean to marry. The work is too hard for a layman who has bad sight for print. Now kiss each other. It's the right thing to do. So we kissed, and the congregation jeered. Alan, went on the commandant, "'pulling out a silver watch like a turnip. "'You have just half an hour before we ride, "'and the Vral Prinsloo says that she has made you a wedding meal in that tent there. "'So you'd best go eat it.' "'In the tent we went accordingly to find a simple but bounteous feast prepared, "'of which we partook, helping each other to food, as is, or was, the custom, "'with new-wedded folk. "'Also many Boers came in and drank to our health, "'although Vral Prinsloo told them that it would have been more decent to leave us alone.' but Henri Marais did not come or drink to her health. Thus the half-hour went all too swiftly, and not a word did we get alone. At last, in despair, seeing that Hans was already waiting with the horses, I drew Marie aside, motioning to everyone to stand back. "'Dearest wife,' I said in broken words, "'this is a strange beginning to our married life. But you see it can't be helped.' "'No, Alan,' she answered, "'it can't be helped. But, oh!' I wish my heart were happier about your journey. I fear Din John, and if anything should chance to you, I shall die of grief. Why should anything chance, Marie? We are a strong and well armed party, and Din John looks upon us peacefully. I don't know, husband, but they say Hernan Pereira is with the Zulus, and he hates you. Then he'd better mind his manners, or he will not be here long to hate anybody, I answered grimly. "'for my gorge rose at the thought of this man "'and his treacheries. "'Brow Prinsloo,' I called to the old lady "'who was near, "'be pleased to come hither and listen. "'And, Marie, do you listen also? "'If by chance I should hear anything "'affecting your safety, "'and send you a message by someone you can trust, "'such as that you should remove yourselves "'elsewhere or hide, "'promise me that you will obey it "'without question.' "'Of course I will obey you, husband. "'Have I not just sworn to do so?' "'Marie said, with a sad smile. "'And so will I, Alan,' said the vrouw, "'Not because I have sworn anything, "'but because I know you have a good head on your shoulders, "'and so will my man and the others of our party. The why you should think you will have any message to send, "'I can't guess, "'unless you know something that is hidden from us,' "'she added shrewdly. "'You say you don't. "'Well, it is not likely you would tell us if you did.' "'Look, they are calling. "'You must go.' "'Come on, Marie, let us see them off. "'So we went to where the commission was gathered on horseback, "'just in time to hear Retief addressing the people, "'or rather, the last of his words. "'Friends,' he said, "'we go upon an important business, "'from which I hope we shall return happily "'within a very little time. "'Still this is rough country, "'and we have to deal with rough people. "'Therefore my advice to all of you who stay behind "'is that you should not scatter, but keep together.' so that in case of any trouble, the men who are left may be at hand to defend this camp. For if they are here, you have nothing to fear from all the savages in Africa. And now God be with you, and good-bye. Come, Trek, brothers. Trek. Then followed a few moments of confusion while men kissed their wives, children, and sisters in farewell, or shook each other by the hand. I, too, kissed Marie, and, tumbling onto my horse somehow, rode away, "'my eyes blind with tears, for this parting was bitter. "'When I could see clearly again, I pulled up and looked back at the camp, "'which was now at some distance. "'It seemed a peaceful place indeed, "'for although the storm of the morning was returning "'and a pall of dark cloud hung over it, "'the sun still shone upon the white wagon caps "'and the people who went to and fro among them. "'Who could have thought that within a little time "'it would be but a field of blood, "'that those wagons would be riddled with the segais? and that the women and children who were moving there must most of them lie upon the belled, mutilated corpses dreadful to behold. Alas, the Boers, always impatient of authority and confident that their own individual judgment was the best, did not obey their commandant's orders to stay together. They went off this way and that, to shoot the game which was then so plentiful, leaving their families almost without protection. Thus the Zulus found and slew them. "'Presently, as I rode forward a little apart from the others, "'someone overtook me, and I saw that it was Henri Murray "'Well, Alan,' he said, "'so God has given you to me for a son-in-law. "'Who would have thought it? "'You do not look to me like a new married man, "'for that marriage is not natural when the bridegroom rides off "'and leaves the bride of an hour. "'Perhaps you will never be really married after all, "'for God, who gives sons-in-law, can also take them away.' "'especially when he was not asked for them, eh?' "'He went on, lapsing into French, as was his wont when moved. vive Rivera! vive Rivera!' "'Then, shouting this excellent but obvious proverb at the top of his voice, "'he struck his horse with the butt of his gun, "'and galloped away before I could answer him. "'At that moment I hated Henri Moray as I had never hated anyone before, "'not even his nephew Hernan.' "'Almost did I ride to the commandant to complain of him, "'but reflecting to myself, first that he was undoubtedly half mad, "'and therefore not responsible for his actions, "'and secondly that he was better here with us "'than in the same camp with my wife. "'I gave up the idea. "'Yet alas! "'It is the half mad who are the most dangerous of lunatics. "'Hans, who had observed this scene "'and overheard all Murray's talk, "'and who also knew the state of the case well enough, "'sidled his horse alongside of me, "'and whispered in a wheedling voice, "'Boss, I think the old boss is cranic and not safe. "'He looks like one who is going to harm someone. "'Now, boss, suppose I let my gun off by accident. "'You know we colored people are very careless with guns. "'The Air Marie would never be troubled with any more fancies, "'and you and the Missy Marie and all of us would be safer. "'Also you could not be blamed, nor could I. "'For who can help an accident?' Guns will go off sometimes, boss, when you don't want them to. Get out, I answered. Yet if Hans's gun had a chance to go off, I believe it might have saved a multitude of lives. We'll return with Chapter 18 right after these sponsor messages. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? "'Our journey to Um Umgungunbluvu was prosperous and without incident. "'When we were within half a day's march from the great crawl, "'we overtook the herd of cattle that we had recaptured from Sikunyela, "'for these beasts had been driven very slowly, "'and well rested that they might arrive in good condition. "'Also the commandant was anxious that we should present them ourselves to the king. "'Driving this multitude of animals before us, "'there were over five thousand head of them, "'we reached the great place on Saturday, the 3rd of February, about midday.' "'and forced them through its gates into the cattle-crawls. "'Then we off-saddled and ate our dinner under those two milk-trees "'near the gate of the crawl where I had bid good-bye to John. "'After-dinner messengers came to ask us to visit the king, "'and with them the youth, Thomas Halstead, "'who told the commandant that all weapons must be left behind, "'since it was the Zulu law that no man might appear before the king, armed. "'To this retief demurred, whereupon the messengers appealed to me, "'whom they had recognized,' "'asking if that were not the custom of their country. "'I answered that I had not been in it long enough to know. "'Then there was a pause while they sent for someone to bear evidence. "'At the time I did not know whom, "'as I was not near enough to Thomas Halstead to make inquiries. "'Presently this someone appeared, "'and turned out to be none other than Hernan Pereira. "'He advanced toward us attended by Zulus, "'as though he were a chief, "'looking fat and well and handsomer than ever.' Seeing Retief, he lifted his hat with a flourish and held out his hand, which I noted the commandant did not take. So you are still here, mynheer Pereira, he said coldly. Now be good enough to tell me what is this matter about the abandoning of our arms. The king charges me to say, began Hernan. Charges you to say, mynheer Pereira. Are you then this black man's servant? But continue that none must come into his private enclosure armed. Well then, my heir, be pleased to go tell this king that we do not wish to come to his private enclosure. I have brought the cattle that he desired me to fetch, and I am willing to deliver them to him wherever he wishes. But we will not unarm in order to do so. Now there was talk, and messengers were dispatched, who returned at full speed presently to say that Dinjan would receive the Boers in the great dancing-place in the midst of the kraal, and that they might bring their guns "'as he wished to see how they fired them. "'So we rode in, making as fine a show as we could, "'to find that the dancing-place, "'which measured a good many acres in extent, "'was lined round with thousands of plumed "'but unarmed warriors arranged in regiments. "'You see,' I heard Pereira say to Retief, "'these have no spears.' "'No,' answered the commandant, "'but they have sticks, "'which, when they are a hundred to one, "'would serve just as well.' Meanwhile the vast mob of cattle were being driven in a double stream past a knot of men at the head of the space, and then away through the gates behind. When the beasts had all gone we approached these men, among whom I recognized the fat form of Din John draped in a bead mantle. We arranged ourselves in a semicircle before him, and stood while he searched us with his sharp eyes. Presently he saw me, and sent a counsellor to say that I must come and interpret for him. So dismounting, I went with Retief, Thomas Halstead, "'and a few of the leading Boers.' "'Sakubona, Macumazahn said Dinjan. "'I am glad that you have come, "'as I know that you will speak my words truly, "'being one of the people of George whom I love. "'For Tomaz here I do not trust, "'although he is also a son of George.' "'I told Retief what he said. "'Oh!' Dinjan exclaimed with a grunt. "'It seems that you, English "'are a step in front of us Boers, even here.' "'Then he went forward and shook hands with the king.' "'whom it will be remembered. "'He had visited before. "'After that the Indaba, or talk, began, "'which I do not propose to set out at length, "'for it is a matter of history. "'It is enough to say that Dinjan, "'after thanking Retief for recovering the cattle, "'asked where was Sikunyela, "'the chief who had stolen them, "'as he wished to kill him. "'When he learned that Sikunyela remained in his own country, "'he became, or affected to become, angry.' Then he asked where there were sixty horses, which he heard we had captured from SIKUNYELA, as they must be given up to him. Retief, by way of reply, touched his grey hairs and inquired whether Dinjan thought that he was a child, that he, Dinjan, should demand horses which did not belong to him. He added that these horses had been restored to the Boers, from whom Sicognella had stolen them. When Dinjan had expressed himself satisfied with this answer, Retief opened the question of the treaty. The king replied, however, that the white men had just arrived, and he wished to see them dance after their own fashion. As for the business, it might wait till another day. So in the end the Boers danced for his amusement. That is, they divided into two parties and charged each other at full gallop, firing their guns into the air, an exhibition which seemed to fill all present with admiration and awe. When they paused, the king wished them to go on firing a hundred shots apiece, but the commandant declined, saying he had no more powder to waste. "'What do you want powder for in a peaceful country?' asked Din John suspiciously. Retief answered through me, "'To kill food for ourselves, or to protect ourselves if any evil-minded men should attack us?' "'Then it will not be wanted here,' said Dinjan. "'since I will give you food, and as I, the king, am your friend. No man in Zululand dare be your enemy.' Chief said he was glad to hear it, and asked leave to retire with the Boers to his camp outside the gate, as they were all tired with riding. This Dinjan granted, and we said good and went away. Before I reached the gate, however, a messenger, I remember it was my old friend Kambula, overtook me, and said that the king wished to speak with me alone. I answered him that I could not speak with the king alone without the permission of the commandant. Thereon Kambula said, Come with me, I pray you, O since otherwise you will be taken by force. Now I told Hans to gallop on to Retief and tell him of my predicament, for already I saw that at some sign from Kambula I was being surrounded by Zulus. He did so, and presently Retief came back himself, accompanied only by one man, and asked me what was the matter now. I informed him, translating Kambula's words, which he repeated in his presence. Does the fellow mean that you will be seized if you do not go? Or I refuse to allow you to do so? To this question, Kambula's answer was, That is so, Incus. since the king has private words for the ear of Macumazan. Therefore we must obey orders, and take him before the king, living or dead. Allah makta! exclaimed "Retief, This is serious. And, as though to summon them to my help, he looked behind him towards the main body of the Boers, who by this time were nearly all of them through the gate, which was guarded by a great number of Zulus. Alan, he went on, "'if you are not afraid, I think that you must go. Perhaps it is only that Dinjan has some message about the treaty to send me through you.' "'I am not afraid,' I answered. "'What is the use of being afraid in a place like this?' "'Ask that kafir if the king gives you safe conduct,' said Retief. "'I did so, and Kambula answered. "'Yes, for this visit. "'Who am I that I can speak the king's unspoken words, "'which meant guarantee his will in the future?' "'A dark saying,' commented Retief. "'But go, Alan, since you must, and God bring you back safe again. "'It is clear that Dinjan did not ask that you should come with me for nothing.' NOW I WISH I'D LEFT YOU AT HOME WITH THAT PRETTY WIFE OF YOURS. SO WE PARTED, I GOING TO THE KING'S PRIVATE ENCLOSURE ON FOOT AND WITHOUT MY RIFLE, SINCE I WAS NOT ALLOWED TO APPEAR BEFORE HIM ARMED, AND THE COMMANDANT TOWARDS THE GATE OF THE kraal OCCUPIED BY HANS, WHO LED MY HORSE. TEN MINUTES LATER I STOOD BEFORE DIN JOHN, WHO GREETED ME KINDLY ENOUGH, AND BEGAN TO ASK A NUMBER OF QUESTIONS ABOUT THE BOERS, ESPECIALLY IF THEY WERE NOT PEOPLE WHO HAD rebelled AGAINST THEIR OWN KING AND RUN AWAY FROM HIM. "'I answered. "'Yes, they had run away, "'as they wanted more room to live. "'But I had told him all about that "'when I saw him before. "'He said he knew I had, "'but he wished to hear "'whether the same words came out of the same mouth "'or different words, "'so that he might know if I were a true man or not. "'Then after pausing a while, "'he looked at me in his piercing fashion "'and asked, "'Have you brought me a present of the tall white girl "'with eyes like two stars, Macumazahn?" "'I mean the girl whom you refused to me, "'and whom I could not take "'because you had won your bet, "'which gave all the white people to you. "'She for whose sake you make "'brothers of these boors, "'who are traitors to their king.' "'No, Din John,' I answered. "'There are no women among us. "'Moreover, this maid is now my wife.' "'Your wife?' "'He exclaimed angrily. "'By the head of the black one! "'Have you dared to make a wife of her "'whom I desired?' "'Now say, boy!' you clever watcher by night, you little white ant who work in the dark and only peep out at the end of your tunnel when it is finished, you wizard who by your magic and snatches prey out of the hand of the greatest king in all the world, for it was magic that killed those vultures on Haloma Ababatu, not your bullets, Macumazan. Say, why should I not make an end of you at once for this trick? I folded my arms and looked at him. "'a strange contrast we must have made, "'this huge black tyrant with the royal air, "'for to do him justice he had that, "'at whose nod hundreds went the way of death, "'and I, a mere insignificant white boy, "'for in appearance at any rate, "'I was nothing more.' "'O Din John,' I said coolly, "'knowing that coolness was my only chance, "'I answer you in the words of the Commandant Retief, "'the great chief.' "'Do you take me for a child "'that I should give up my own wife to you "'who already have so many? "'Moreover, you cannot kill me "'because I have the word of your captain, Kambula, "'that I am safe with you.' "'This reply seemed to amuse him. "'At any rate, "'with one of those almost infantile changes of mood "'which are common to savages of every degree, "'he passed from wrath to laughter. "'You are quick as a lizard,' he said. "'Why should I, who have so many wives, want one more, who would certainly hate me. Just because she is white, and would make the others who are black jealous, I suppose. Indeed, they would poison her, or pinch her to death in a month, and then come to tell me she had died of fretting. Also, you are right. You have my safe conduct, and must go hence unharmed this time. But look, you little lizard! Though you escape me between the stones, I will pull off your tail.' I have said that I want to pluck this tall white flower of yours, and I will. I know where she dwells. Yes, just where the wagon she sleeps in stands in the line, for my spies have told me, and I will give orders that whoever is killed, she is to be spared and brought to me living. So perhaps you will meet this wife of yours here, Macumazahn. Now, at these ominous words, that might mean so much or so little, the sweat started to my brow. "'and a shiver went down my back. "'Perhaps I shall, "'and perhaps I shall not, "'O King,' I answered. "'The world is full of chances today, "'as it was not long ago "'when I shot at the sacred vultures "'on Holoma and Babutu. "'Still, "'I think that my wife "'will never be yours, "'O King.' "'Ah!' said Dinjan. "'This little white ant "'is making another tunnel, "'thinking that he will "'come up at my back.' "'But what if I put down my heel and crush you, little white ant?' "'Do you know,' he added confidentially, "'that the boar who mends my guns, and whom here we call two-faces, "'because he looks towards you whites with one eye, "'and towards us blacks with the other, "'is still very anxious that I should kill you?' "'Indeed, when I told him that my spies said that you were to ride with the boars, "'as I had requested that you should be their tongue, "'he answered that unless I promised to give you to the vultures,' "'he would warn them against coming. "'So, since I wanted them to come "'as I had arranged with him, "'I promised.' "'Is it so, O king?' I asked. "'And pray, why does this Two-Faces, "'whom we call Pereira, "'desire that I should be killed?' "'Ah!' chuckled the obese old ruffian. "'Cannot you, with all your cleverness, "'guess that, O Macumazan?' "'Perhaps it is he who needs the tall white maiden, and not I. "'Perhaps if he does certain things for me, "'I have promised her to him in payment. "'And perhaps,' he added, laughing quite loud, "'I shall trick him after all, keeping her for myself, "'and paying him in another way. "'For can a cheat grumble if he out outcheated?' "'I answered that I was an honest man, "'and knew nothing about cheats, "'or at what they could, or could not grumble.' "'Yes, Macumazahn," replied Dinjon, quite genially. "'That is where you and I are alike. "'We are both honest, quite honest, and therefore friends, "'which I can never be with these Amabuna, "'who, as you and others have told me, are traitors. "'We play our game in the light, like men. "'Who wins, wins, and who loses, loses. "'Now hear me, Macumazahn. "'Remember what I say. "'Whatever happens to others... Whatever you may see, you are safe while I live. Dinjan has spoken. Whether I get the tall white girl or do not get her, still you are safe. It is on my head. And he touched the gum ring in his hair. And why should I be safe if others are unsafe, O oh king? I asked. Oh! If you would know that, ask a certain ancient prophet named Zikali was in this land in the days of Sizanjacona, my father, and before then, that is, if you can find him. Also, I like you, who are not a flat-faced fool like these Amabuna, but have a brain that turns in and out through difficulties, as a snake does through reeds, and it would be a pity to kill one who can shoot birds wheeling high above him in the air, which no one else can do. So whatever you see, and whatever you hear, remember that you are safe.' AND SHALL GO SAFELY FROM THIS LAND, OR STAY SAFELY IN IT, IF YOU WILL, TO BE MY VOICE TO SPEAK WITH THE SONS OF GEORGE. NOW RETURN TO THE COMMANDANT, AND SAY TO HIM THAT MY HEART IS HIS HEART, AND THAT I AM VERY PLEASED TO SEE HIM HERE, TOMORROW, AND PERHAPS THE NEXT DAY. I WILL SHOW HIM SOME OF THE DANCES OF MY PEOPLE, AND AFTER THAT I WILL SIGN THE WRITING, GIVING HIM ALL THE LAND HE ASKS AND EVERYTHING ELSE HE MAY DESIRE, MORE THAN HE COULD WISH INDEED. "'Amba um, ghastly!' Macumazahn, And rising with surprising quickness from his chair, which was cut out of a single block of wood, he turned and vanished to the little opening in the reed fence behind him that led to his private huts. "'As I was being conducted back to the Boer camp by Kambula, who was waiting for me outside the gate of the labyrinth which is called Isikloho, I met Thomas Halstead, who was lounging about, I think in order to speak with me. "'Halting?' I asked him straight out what the king's intentions were toward the Boers. "'Don't know,' he answered, shrugging his shoulders. "'But he seems so sweet on them that I think he must be up to mischief. "'He is wonderfully fond of you, too, for I heard him give orders that the word was to be passed through all the regiments that if anyone so much as hurt you, he would be killed at once. "'Also you were pointed out to the soldiers when you rode in with the rest, that they might all of them know you.' "'That's good for me, as far as it goes,' I replied. "'But I don't know why I should need special protection above others, "'unless there is someone who wants to harm me.' "'There is that,' Alan Quatermain. "'The Indunas tell me that the good-looking Portuguese, "'whom they call Two-Faces, "'asks the king to kill you every time he sees him. "'Indeed, I've heard him myself.' "'That's kind of him,' I answered. "'But then, Hernan Pereira and I never got on.' "'Tell me what he is talking about to the king "'when he isn't asking him to kill me.' "'Don't know,' he said again. "'Something dirty. I'll be bound. "'One may be sure of that by the native name they have given him. "'I think, however,' he added in a whisper, "'that he has had a lot to do with the Boers "'being allowed to come here at all "'in order to get their treaty signed. "'At least one day when I was interpreting "'and Dinjan swore that he would not give them more land "'than it was enough to bury them in.' "'Pereira told him that it didn't matter what he signed, "'as what was written with the pen "'could be scratched out with the spear. "'Indeed, and what did the king say to that?' "'Oh, he laughed and said it was true, "'and that he would give the Boer commission "'all their people wanted and something over for themselves. "'But don't you repeat that, Quatermain, "'for if you do, and it gets to the ear of John, "'I shall certainly be killed. "'And I say you're a good fellow,' "'and I want a big bet on you over that vulture shooting. "'So I will give you a bit of advice, "'which you will be wise to take. "'You get out of this country as soon as you can, "'and go to look after that pretty Miss Marais, "'whom you are sweet on. Din John wants her. "'And what Din John wants, he gets, "'in this part of the world anyway.' "'Then, without waiting to be thanked, "'he turned and disappeared among a crowd of Zulus "'who were following us from curiosity, "'leaving me wondering whether or no Din John was right "'when he called this young man a liar. "'His story seemed to tally so well "'with that told by the king himself "'that on the whole I thought he was not a liar. "'Just after I had passed the main gateway "'of the great town, where his office done, "'Cambula saluted and left me, "'I saw two white men engaged in earnest conversation "'beneath one of the milk-trees, "'which, as I think I have already mentioned, "'grow, or grew, there. "'They were Henry Moray and his nephew.' Catching sight of me, Marie walked off. But Pereira advanced and spoke to me, although, warned perhaps by what had happened to him in the case of Retief, I am glad to say he did not offer me his hand. "'A good day to you, Alan,' he said effusively. "'I have just heard from my uncle that I have to congratulate you. About Marie, I mean. And believe me, I do so with all my heart.' Now as he spoke these words, remembering what I had just heard, my blood boiled in me. BUT I THOUGHT IT WISE TO CONTROL MYSELF, AND THEREFORE ONLY ANSWERED, THANK YOU. OF COURSE, HE WENT ON, WE'VE BOTH STRIVEN FOR THIS PRIZE, BUT AS IT IS PLEASED GOD THAT YOU SHOULD WIN IT, WHY, I AM NOT ONE TO BEAR MALICE. I'M GLAD TO HEAR IT, I REPLIED. I THOUGHT PERHAPS YOU MIGHT BE. NOW TELL ME, TO CHANGE THE SUBJECT, HOW LONG WILL DIN JOHN KEEP US HERE? Oh, two or three days at most. "'You see, Alan, luckily I've been able to persuade him "'to sign the treaty about the land without further trouble. "'So as soon as that's done, you can all go home.' Well, "'The commandant would be very grateful to you,' I said. "'But what are you going to do?' "'I don't know, Alan. "'You see, I'm not a lucky fellow like yourself "'with a wife waiting for me. "'I think that perhaps I shall stop here a while. "'I see a way of making a great deal of money out of these Zulos.' "'and having lost everything upon that Delagoa Bay track, "'I need money.' "'We all do,' I answered, "'especially if we are starting in life. "'So when it is convenient to you to settle your debts? "'I shall be glad.' "'Oh, have no fear!' he exclaimed, "'with a sudden lighting up of his dark face. "'I will pay you what I owe you, every farthing, "'with good interest thrown in.' "'The king has just told me that is your intention,' "'I remarked quietly.' "'looking him full in the eyes. "'Then I walked on, "'leaving him staring after me, "'apparently without a word to say. "'I went straight to the hut "'that was allotted to retief "'in the little outlying guard crawl, "'which had been given to us for a camp. "'Here I found the commandant "'seated on a kafir stool engaged in painfully writing a letter, "'using a bit of board placed on his knees as a desk. "'He looked up "'and asked me how I had got on with Din John, "'not being sorry, as I think, "'of an excuse to pause in his clerical labors. "'Listen, Commandant,' I said, "'and speaking in a low voice, so as not to be overheard, "'I told him every word that had passed in the interviews "'I had just had with Din John, with Thomas Halstead, "'and with Pereira. "'He heard me out in silence, and then said, "'This is a strange and ugly story, Alan, "'and if it is true, Pereira must be an even bigger scoundrel "'than I thought him. "'But I can't believe that it's true.' I think that Din John has been lying to you for his own purposes. I mean about the plot to kill you. Perhaps, Commandant, I don't know, and I don't much care, but I am sure that he was not lying when he said he meant to steal away my wife, either for himself or for Pereira. What, then, do you intend to do, Alan? I intend, Commandant, with your permission, to send Hans, my after-writer, back to the camp with a letter from Marie, "'telling her to remove herself quietly "'to the farm I have chosen down on the river, "'of which I told you, "'and there to lie hid, till I come back. "'I think it needless, Alan. "'Still, if it will ease your mind, do so, "'since I cannot spare you to go yourself. "'Only you must not send this Hottentot, "'who would talk and frighten the people. "'I am dispatching a messenger to the camp "'to tell them of our safe arrival "'and good reception by Din John. "'He can take your letter, "'in which I order you to say to your wife, "'that if she and the Prinsloo's and the Myers go to this farm of yours, "'they are to go without talking, just as though they wanted a change. "'Have the letter ready by dawn tomorrow morning, as I trust mine may be,' "'he added with a groan. "'It shall be ready, Commandant. "'But what about Hernan Pereira and his tricks?' "'This is about the accursed Hernan Pereira,' exclaimed Bertif, "'striking the writing-board with his fist. "'On the first opportunity I will myself take the evidence of Din John "'and of the English lad, Halstead. "'If I find they tell me the same story they have told you, "'I will put Pereira on his trial, as I threatened to do before. "'And should he be found guilty, by God, I'll have him shot. "'But for the present it is best to do nothing, except keep an eye on him, "'lest we should cause fear and scandal in the camp, "'and after all not prove the case. "'Now go and write your letter, and leave me to write mine.' So I went and wrote, telling Marie something, but by no means all of that I have set down here. I bade her, and the Prinslers, and the Myers, if they would accompany her, as I was sure they would, move themselves off at once to the farm I had beaconed out thirty miles away from the Bushman's River, under pretense of seeing how the houses that were being built there were getting on. Or if they would not go, I bade her go alone with a few Hottentot servants, or any other companions she could find. This letter I took to Retief and read it to him. At my request also he scrawled at the foot of it. I have seen the above and approve it, knowing all the story, which may be true or false. Do as your husband bids you, but do not talk of it in the camp except to those whom he mentions. Signed, Pieter Retief. So the messenger departed at dawn, and in due course delivered my letter to Marie. The next day was Sunday. "'In the morning I went to call upon the Reverend Mr. Owen, "'the missionary, who was very glad to see me. "'He informed me that Din John was in good mind towards us "'and had been asking him if he would write the treaty ceding the land which the Boers wanted. "'I stopped for service at the huts of Mr. Owen "'and then returned to the camp. "'In the afternoon Din John celebrated a great war dance for us "'to witness in which about twelve thousand soldiers took part. "'It was a wonderful and awe-inspiring spectacle.' and I remember that each of the regiments employed had a number of trained oxen which maneuvered with them, apparently had given words of command. We did not see Din John that day, except at a distance, and after the dance was over returned to our camp to eat the beef which he had provided for us in plenty. On the third day, that was Monday, the 5th of February, there were more dancings and sham fights, so many more indeed, that we began to weary of this savage show.' "'Late in the afternoon, however, "'Dinjon sent for the Commandant and his men to come see him, "'saying that he wished to talk with him about the matter of the treaty. "'So we went, but only three or four, of whom I was one, "'were admitted to Dinjon's presence, "'the rest remaining at a little distance, "'where they could see us, but were out of earshot. Din "'Dinjon then produced a paper which had been written by the Reverend Mr. Owen. "'This document, which I believe still exists, for it was found afterwards.' was drawn up in legal or semi-legal form, beginning like a proclamation, Know all men. It ceded the place called Port Natal, together with all the land annexed, that is to say from Tujila to the Umzimbubu River westward, and from the sea to the north, to the Boers, for their everlasting property. At the king's request, as the deed was written in English by Mr. Owen, I translated it to him, and afterwards the lad Halstead translated it also, being called in to do so when I had finished. This was done that my rendering might be checked, and the fact impressed all the Boers very favorably. It showed them that the king desired to understand exactly what he was to sign, which would not have been the case had he intended any trick or proposed to cheat them afterwards. From that moment forward, Retief and his people had no further doubts as to Dinjan's good faith in this matter, and foolishly relaxed all precautions against treachery when the translating was finished, the commandant asked the king if he would sign the paper then and there. He answered, No. He would sign it on the following morning, before the commission returned to Natal. It was then that Retief inquired of John, through Thomas Halstead, whether it was a true story which he had heard, that the Boer called Pereira, who had been staying with him, and whom the Zulus knew by the name of Two-Faces, had again asked him, John, to have me, Alan Quatermain whom they called Macumazan, killed. Dinjan laughed and answered, "'Yes, that is true enough, but he hates this Macumazan. But let the little white son of George have no fear, since my heart is soft towards him, and I swear by the head of the Black One that he shall come to no harm in Zululand. Is he not my guest, as you are?' He then went on to say that if the Commandant wished it, he would have two faces seized and killed because he had dared to ask for my life.' Retief answered that he would look into that matter himself, and after Thomas Halstead had confirmed the king's story as to Pereira's conduct, he rose and said goodbye to Din John. Of this matter of Hernan Pereira, Retief said little as we went back to the camp outside the kraal, though the little that he did say showed his deep anger. When we arrived at the camp, however, he sent for Pereira and Marais and several of the older boers. I remember that among these were Gerrit Bathma, Sr., Hendrik Labushagni, and Mathis Pretorius, Sr., all of them persons of standing and judgment. I also was ordered to be present. When Pereira arrived, Retief charged him openly with having plotted my murder, and asked him what he had to say. Of course, his answer was a flat denial, and that accusation against me of having invented the tale because we had been at enmity over a maiden whom I had since married. Then, mynheer Pereira, said Retief, as Alan Quatermain here has won the maiden who is now his wife, it would seem that his cause of enmity must have ceased, whereas yours may well have remained. However, I have no time to try cases of the sort now, but I warn you that this one will be looked into later on when we get back to Natal, whither I shall take you with me, and that meanwhile an eye is kept on you and what you do. Also I warn you that I have evidence for all that I say. Now be so good as to go, and to keep out of my sight as much as possible, for I do not like a man whom these Kaffirs name Two-Faces. As for you, friend Henri Marais, I tell you that it would do well to associate yourself less with one whose name is under so dark a cloud, although he may be your own nephew, whom all know you love blindly. So far as I recollect, neither of them made any answer to this direct speech. They simply turned and walked away. But on the next morning, that of the fatal 6th of February, when I chanced to meet the Commandant Retief as he was riding through the camp making arrangements for our departure to Natal, he pulled up his horse and said, Alan, Hernan Pereira is gone, and Henri Marie with him, and for my part I am not sorry, for doubtless we shall meet again, in this world or the next, and find out all the truth. Here, read this, and give it back to me afterwards.' And he threw me a paper and rode on. "'I opened the folded sheet and read as follows. "'To the Commandant Retief, "'Governor of the emigrant Boers. "'Mine Commandant. "'I will not stay here "'where such foul accusations are laid on me "'by black Kaffirs and the Englishmen. "'Alan Quatermain, who, like all his race, "'is an enemy of us Boers, "'and although you do not know it, "'a traitor who is plotting great harm "'against you with the Zulus. "'Therefore I leave you, "'but am ready to meet every charge "'at the right time before a proper court.' My uncle, Henri Marais, comes with me, as he feels that his honor is also touched. Moreover, he has heard that his daughter Marie is in danger from the Zulus, and returns to protect her, which he who is called her husband neglects to do. Alan Quatermain, the Englishman, who is the friend of Dinjan, can explain what I mean, for he knows more about the Zulu plans than I do, as you will find out before the end. Then follow the signatures of Hernan Pereira, "'and Henri Marais. "'I put the letter in my pocket, "'wondering what might be "'its precise meaning, "'and in particular "'that of the absurd "'and undefined charge "'of treachery against myself. "'It seemed to me "'that Pereira had left us "'because he was afraid of something, "'either that he might be "'placed upon his trial, "'or of some ultimate catastrophe "'in which he would be involved. "'Marais probably had gone with him "'for the same reason "'that a bit of iron "'follows a magnet, "'because he never could resist "'the attraction of this evil man.' his relative by birth. Or perhaps she had learned from him the story of his daughter's danger, upon which I had already acted, and really was anxious about her safety. For it must always be remembered that Marais loved Marie passionately, however ill the reader of this history may think that he behaved to her. She was his darling, the apple of his eye, and her great offense in his sight was that she cared for me more than she did for him. That is one of the reasons why he hated me as much as he loved her. Almost before I had finished reading this letter, the order came that we were to go in a body to bid farewell to Dinjan, leaving our arms piled beneath the two milk-trees at the gate of the town. Most of our after riders were commanded to accompany us, I think because Retief wished to make as big a show as possible to impress the Zulus. A few of these Hottentots, however, were told to stay behind that they might collect the horses, that were knee-haltered and and grazing at a distance, and saddle them up. Among these was Hans, for as it chanced, I saw and sent him with the others, so that I might be sure that my own horses would be found and made ready for the journey. Just as we were starting, I met the lad, William Wood, who had come down from the mission huts, where he lived with Mr. Owen, and was wandering about with an anxious face. "'How are you, William?' I asked. "'Not very well, Mr. Quartermain,' he answered. "'The fact is,' he added with a burst of confidence, "'I feel queerly about you all. "'The Kaffirs have told me that something is going to happen to you. "'and I think you ought to know it. "'I daren't say any more.' "'And he vanished into the crowd. "'At that moment I caught sight of her teeth "'riding to and fro and shouting out orders. "'Going to him, I caught him by the sleeve, saying, "'Commandant, listen to me.' "'Well, what is it now, nephew?' "'He asked absently. "'I told him what Wood had said, "'adding that I also was uneasy, "'and I didn't know why. "'Oh,' he answered with impatience, this is all hailstones and burnt grass, meaning that the one would melt and the other blow away, or in our English, idiom stuff, and rubbish. Why are you always trying to scare me with your fancies? Alan Dinjan is our friend, not our enemy. So let us take the gifts that fortune gives us and be thankful. Come march this he said about eight o'clock in the morning. We strolled through the gates of the great kraal, most of the Boers, who, as usual, had piled their arms under the two milk-trees, lounging along in knots of four or five, laughing and chatting as they went. I have often thought since that although every one of them there, except myself, was doomed within an hour to have taken the dreadful step from time into eternity, it seems strange that advancing fate should have thrown no shadow on their hearts. On the contrary, they were quite gay, being extremely pleased at the successful issue of their mission and the prospect of an immediate return to their wives and children. Even Retief was gay, for I heard him joking with his companions about myself and my white bread-week, or honeymoon, which he said was drawing very near. As we went, I noticed that most of the regiments who had performed the great military dances before us on the previous day were gone. Two, however, remained. The Ishlangu Inlopi, is, the white shields, who were a corps of veterans wearing the ring on their heads, and the Islango-Uniyama, that is, the black shields, who were all of them young men without rings. The white shields were ranged along the fence of the great open place to our left, and the black shields were similarly placed to our right, each regiment numbering about fifteen hundred men. Except for their carries and dancing sticks, they were unarmed. Presently we reached the head of the dancing ground and found Dinjan seated in his chair with two of his great indunas, Umlela and Tembusa, squatting on either side of him. Behind him standing in and about the entrance to the labyrinth through which the king had come, were other Indunas and captains. On arriving in front of Din John, we saluted him, and he acknowledged this salutation with pleasant words and smiles. Then Retief, two or three of the other Boers, Thomas Halstead and I, went forward, whereon the treaty was produced again and identified as the same document that we had seen on the previous day. At the foot of it, someone, I forget who, wrote in Dutch, De Merk van Koning Din John—that is the mark of King Dinjan. in the space left between the words Merk and Van, Din John made a cross with a pen that was given to him. Thomas Halstead holding his hand and showing him what to do. After this, three of his indunas, or great counsellors, who were named Noara, Yuliwana, and Manando, testified as witnesses for the Zulus, and M. Ostuzen A. C. Grayling, and B. J. Liebenberg were standing nearest to Retief as witnesses for the Boers. This done, Dinjan ordered one of his isibangos, or praisers, to run to and fro in front of the regiments and others there assembled, and proclaimed that he had granted Natal to the Boers to be their property forever, information which the Julus received with shouts. Then Dinjan asked Retief if he would not eat, and large trenchers of boiled beef were brought out and handed round. This, however, the Boers refused, saying they had already breakfasted. Thereupon the king said that at least they must drink, and pots of twala, or kaffir beer, were handed round, all of which the Boers partook. While they were drinking, Dinjan gave Retief a message to the Dutch farmers, to the effect that he hoped they would soon come and occupy Natal, which henceforth was their country. Also, black-hearted villain that he was, that they would have a pleasant journey home. Next he ordered the two regiments to dance and sing war songs in order to amuse his guests. "'This they began to do, drawing nearer as they danced. "'It was at this moment that a Zulu appeared, "'pushing his way through the captains "'who were gathered at the gate of the labyrinth, "'and delivered some message to one of the Indunas, "'who in turn passed it on to the king. "'Oh, is it so?' said the king, with a troubled look. "'Then his glance fell on me as though by accident, "'and he added, "'Makumazan, one of my wives is taken very ill suddenly.' "'and said she must have some of the medicine of the white men "'before they go away. "'Now you tell me that you are a new married man, "'so I can trust you with my wives. "'I pray you go and find out what medicine it is that she needs, "'for you can speak our tongue.' "'I hesitated, then translated what he had said to Retief. "'You had best go, nephew,' said the commandant, "'but come back quickly, for we ride at once. "'Still I hesitated, not liking this business.' "'whereupon the king began to grow angry. "'What?' he said. "'Do you white men refuse me this little favor "'when I have just given you so much? "'You who have the wonderful medicines "'that can cure the sick?' "'Go, Alan, go,' said Retief, "'when he understood his words, "'or I will grow cross "'and everything may be undone.' "'So having no choice, "'I went through the gateway "'into the labyrinth. "'Next moment men pounced on me, and before I could utter a word, a cloth was thrown over my mouth and tied tight behind my head. I was a prisoner and gagged. Thank you for joining us for these two chapters of Marie by H. Ryder Haggard. Join us next week, Sunday night, as we continue the story. Reviews are greatly appreciated, and we have a few recent ones to share with you. First, The Hound of the Baskervilles, five stars, this is fabulous, John. You do such a great job with the different voices you give to all the characters. That is what I did when I would read stories to my son when he was little. He loved it. Always Claire Pascentia, California, Apple Podcasts, U.S. And this one wonderful storytelling. John Hagedorn deserves plenty of applause. This is the best podcast ever. I absolutely love it. Down from Be Free, Apple Podcast Canada. And this one, five stars, amazing podcast. That one from Investa 2010, Apple Podcast, France. And this one, great stories, great reader, great variety, five stars. This podcast is a treasure, as are all the 1001 podcasts. That one from Larson Art, Apple Podcast, U.S. Thank you all so very much for taking the time to write these reviews. We appreciate them. We appreciate them very, very much. Please join us next Sunday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. As we continue the story, Marie, by H. Rider Haggard. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. Everyone, stay safe, and we'll be back soon.